Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're finishing up Andrew's Andrew Moon's Kit and Mike triple feature with 2016's La La Land, directed by Damien Chazelle. Nice. Uh, (laughs) That was good, dude. Two two corrections. One, Hmm? it is Andrew Moon's Mike and just a little bit Kit. Oh. Like, like, yeah, she just got a little bit of, like, back spray, basically. Just a little cheek. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, And I apologize to her profusely later. (laughs) But uh, but she understands that it was in the service of something greater than herself, so she's mm. okay, and our relationship recovers. Um, That's good. The second the second correction is that it is not La La Land, bro. It is What's Moon- that? It, yep, it is Moonlight. It is the movie that this, this yeah. has never happened in the history of this podcast. This is shocking. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So ah, you so- watched you watched the you watched the wrong movie, buddy. <laughs> Give me two hours. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so we were watching Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins. Yeah, and for the for the listeners, we Thank actually you. we stealthily put in a little cut there, so we actually did pause for two hours so Mike could go watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I continued to stream for Andrew and Kit though. <laughs> Just my reactions. So. It was awesome. They were great. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back. Uh, and uh, had had we also I had not seen this before. Had you seen this before? <clears throat> Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a few times. I haven't. Sorry. I have really bad allergies right now, so I'm trying really hard not to sneeze like super loud. Could I have crazy sneezes? Go for it. No, I'll hold it. I got it. Yeah, no, I, feel I like seen I've, it. Just feel tap like, your nose right here. I feel like Kit, oh, has, helps. I feel like Kit has to sneeze helps. at least once to legitimize her allergies. Yeah, I'm not buying this allergy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to regret that. They're loud. <laughs> What if, your drums out. what if what if her sneeze is so bad that we actually do regret it? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a pretty bad sneeze. <laughs> Anyways, Andrew, as the only person who has seen this film before, tell us, uh, let's go ahead and start with your thoughts on it or tell us a little about it. What made mm-hmm. you choose this picture? Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, we talk about movies a lot, obviously. Um, and I have regularly like listed this as what I think to be like one of the best movies of the last decade. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I really like it. There's so much that I love about this movie. Um, I think to me, this movie is like pure cinema, uh, which is really interesting because it started as a play. Um, but every element that makes a movie is absolutely essential in moonlight. Like everything is so simple and impactful and the way it all jives with the music and the sound design and the cadence of the directing and the performance, um, it all feels very visceral and like it's part of like a truly deep understanding of what is being communicated. Um, the screenwriter said something really cool. I was watching this interview with him today 
who's talking about um, some of the production elements of the movie, who said, um, we see these moments and how they can lead up to a moment and that glimmer of hope, uh, you know, that, m that that moment can give you. And he goes on to elaborate, you know, we see life that can be rooted in all of the things we know of as urban blight and poverty and drug addiction. And then we see this glimmer of hope in it. And I think that's what's so powerful. And I, I agree with that. Um, and this outlines another reason that I love this movie. It takes, to me, it takes a far less steady hand to make a movie that is purely miserable. I think of something like Precious, which is a movie that I really hate, um, or a movie that aims to solve millennia of, you know, racial injustice or whatever, like Green Book, um, or even like a more like social, like realist approach, maybe something like Daniel Blake. Um, but Barry Jenkins seems to be shaking up the approach to how we often see black men from poor neighborhoods depicted in film. Um, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with like a, kind of what we know to be sort of like um, a typical formula at this point, which is, you know, hip hop soundtracks and jarring gun driven gangland type depictions. Um, but I think for me, something like Moonlight, Moonlight is maybe a little more accessible on a deeper, more personal level. Um, and to that, I think Moonlight leaves the audience with tangible hope for the characters. Um, not necessarily belief that the world outside the movie will be better because it got made. Um, it's not going to pander to its audience um, that way, uh, in the way that like Green Book or The Help or any number of other movies um, that you know seem to be made from a perspective of white guilt. Um, but anyway, I think there's so much more of a connection to be made, made because I believe things can get better, not because I see them get better in the movie um, in like a, like a hugely profound way. Like basically they, you know, instead of having huge sweeping score and, and I don't know, two dudes hugging each other in the rain or some shit. Um, it's just like it's it's small meaningful moments that kind of culminate to another small meaningful moment that is big because of the weight of the moments prior. So that's how I feel about this movie. Um, it is, <laughs> it is, it is, it is one. I I tr I always try like when I go see a movie, to especially one that I really really like. Um, like I don't, I don't like leaving a movie theater and being like, "Oh, that's one of the best movies ever made," or whatever. Um, and it's easy to to do that when you're kind of riding that high, um, when you walk out of a cinema and you've seen something that really hit you. Uh, but like I've, I really felt like the, from the first time I saw this movie that it was one of my favorite movies. Um, and I think it's like, like I was thinking about like, what are the what if I had like, what is the other movie from the last decade? Uh, that I think like is gonna stand the test of time or could stand the test of time and and will remain like a thing that people look back on at you know at around the time that it was made as like oh these were the these were the great movies and I was thinking like oh it's probably like this and like Mad Max Fury Road which is mm -hmm. could not be more different <laughs> but just like these these movies that are like as I said at the beginning like pure cinema you know it's like I, I feel that these movies in their construction are like, like they're the reason you go to the movies, right? I mean, just think about like taking into account the, uh, and it's so interesting to me because this is a, this started as a play that was never produced, but just the way like the sound design, uh, 
mm-hmm. and the score and 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 the camera like there's uh there's these great um POV shots that pop up in the movie sometimes that are like totally jarring and really just put you inside the head of the character and they do this really interesting thing where the uh the 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 how am I let's see if I can describe this but the character says a line and the cam and the, and the person's looking right down the dip barrel so it goes from like typical shot reverse shot where no one's looking into camera to people looking directly into the camera and uh and then they go and they deliver their line but they're only delivering like half of it and the line still completes itself in the audio but you're left with uh, the person just staring into the camera. It's just, and I've seen that before, yeah. but it's, it's just, oh, man, stuff like that is so cool. And this, and this is also, I know I'm kind of rambling now, but like, this is also just one of those movies where it feels like everything matters. Um, the story is very, uh, they're, they're, um, they're very, very effective with the real estate that they have. I don't feel that there's a, really any fat in this movie. I don't feel like anything is overdone or underdone um and it all it all feels so handmade and just expertly crafted um you know i can't i mean it was only made for like a million and a half dollars or something like that and i think yeah i also really just i i have a lot of respect when somebody makes like a movie this good for especially nowadays for like mike what we would consider a micro budget now um Mm -hmm. so yeah uh, I've said a lot, but uh, what, is, what are your guys' thoughts about this movie? Well, uh, Kit, do you want to jump in? Or I don't know. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I, I kind of always thought you guys were using the term pure cinema as a joke. Um, however, I do agree like that it is so... I mean, I we when we talked about Moonstruck, like a, a lot of my favorite movies tend to be very like script driven. I like I'm a writer. I like writing. I like snappy writing. Um, this is a very well written story in that like dialogue is not the only thing that is writing. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's a I, it must be a very good script for sure. But like more so than most movies, the story is told visually like there's very little dialogue often it felt like it's not even important whether i can hear exactly what people like are saying it's more just like yeah absolutely which i mean the movie acknowledges by just kind of showing you people's faces with their mouths not moving while they're saying like um Mm -hmm. or completely tuning out what people are saying when the character is not paying attention like those kinds of things um and just what he was able to what Barry Jenkins was like able to communicate with the camera, particularly my favorite part of the triptych is the childhood one. Um, yeah. And when just the way that you <laughs> understand with very little um, like handholding that you're seeing things through the eyes of this kid um, is. But also. I- Mm-hmm. But also it's interesting how you, the audience is like in a position to understand him before he understands himself. And then, the, yeah. I don't know, I just, I think it's interesting because the movie sort of like straddles um, like a child's perspective and also mm-hmm. acknowledges that we are understanding something that he isn't. Um, yeah, which and- is like, I mean, I knew because of like, I knew that the movie was about a gay man 
but I genuinely, if I did not know that, then like the first part before anybody starts talking about that, basically like the scene of the kids playing football, I would have been like, okay, oh for like, sure, I, I, yeah. I understand this, and the camera, and I mean, I can't really even say how, I can't really dissect why I know that because of course it's like they're children the camera's not doing anything weird or lurid or anything at all but it's just like well I I I um I I I relate like I'm like yes I understand what's going on here and I thought that was really um impressive I think it's also and if this is true which I can scarcely believe it's true that the three actors never met <laughs> until I after know. the film was finished which yeah. like if that is true then that is some next level directing of their performances because they feel so even um adult Chiron when he like at first he's kind of unrecognizable like by design he's styled himself after Mahershala he's acting very different but then as soon as his friend calls I'm like holy shit this is so this like the same <laughs> kid and it's just like I don't I don't know I mean it's I guess just a testament to casting and directing that they seem so similar I, I thought it was a great um, movie um, very very restrained there's really only one thing that I don't like about it, and I can save that if you prefer, and we can hear uh, what Mike thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually had one thing that I did not like as well, but I think in general I agree with everything you guys have said. Like, I wouldn't have a lot to add to it. Um, going into this movie, like, I was... Like, multiple people have told me, even though it, like, won Best Picture, even though it's about, like, a gay, black, poor kid in Miami or whatever... Um, like that's like, there's just, I'm very skeptical of like Oscar bait type of stuff. I've seen lots of like art films, lots of indie films that deal with these issues. And so often I don't, I just don't, I either don't enjoy them or they're just not good or whatever. Um, so I was really skeptical, but I knew like, I just from like looking at it and like, I don't know if it was a trailer or what, but you could just see like, you know, at least the movie looks good. Mm -hmm. So, um, So that's a good sign, but yeah, but yeah. So then watching it last night, I was, um, I was, it wasn't that I was like slowly won over or anything like that, but it was like, it was really just like, oh, I think you're like, is this as good? How could this be as good as everyone is saying? I think that's totally, I think that's totally fair because, and I don't. No one listens to this, so I guess we won't catch any heat. But I, but uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's fair to say, uh, especially since Green Book won last year or the year before, whatever, Best Picture, uh, that the that a lot of times what we're told is, especially when you're dealing with like heavy subject matter like uh, the Black Experience or the Holocaust or uh anything to any war movie i don't know like any of this this subject matter that keeps getting recycled over and over again um i feel that a lot of times there is like a pretty big disparity between everybody telling me that this is this is like gonna change your entire worldview and like what the movie actually is um to moonlight's credit i don't think it's trying to change my worldview i think it's just trying to show me a perspective there's a part of me that's like, 
this movie, God, there's no way to say this without sounding like an asshole, but it's like, this movie is about people. It's not, it doesn't really like, it, it's a, it's obviously about race because everything that involves um, people who are not white is like automatically about race, but they, but it's also a story, it's also about, you know, queerness, I guess, because everything that has still, I think, that has, you know, queer topics in it is like, that's, this is the movie about that. But like, really, it's just like a great movie about this person and about something like one thing I heard from a lot of different corners about this movie was like, you know, all of my all of my gay friends love this movie and they didn't made I don't think I think they watched the, even they were like this is a person who is so different from me but I <laughs> related to this film so much I, and then people I think, who are neither black nor queer are saying like I relate to this film so much I watched mm-hmm. it feeling like I relate to this film so much like I I've it doesn't it doesn't feel like a story that's not about me that's because I think what this yeah. movie I think what this movie is about more so than those other I think the, the the other things I think the I think you're right it is about blackness because it just is it's about queerness just because it is but I think more than anything it is about somebody trying to understand their inner self mm-hmm. um through their outer self uh if that makes any it's sense It's a coming and of I age think, story it's like exactly. it's boyhood. Like Exa- yeah, I think it, I think it I think it is in, I think that's what makes it accessible for literally anybody and I think that because this is like we may not have this experience on the same level or in the same context but like everybody has some version mm-hmm. of this experience. Yeah, I think the conse- I think that the <clears throat> It's interesting because like the consequences are much more um Mm-hmm. dire for him like you know people have had bullies it doesn't mean that they like go to jail if they fight <laughs> if they fight back against right. them like it right. does it um you know my mom wasn't like smoking crack like you know so the kind of consequences of disobey but but it, but what was interesting to me is that still even in that even with all that going on the scariest, most tense moment of the movie is the moment on the beach, like where I'm like, oh, with yeah. all of the shit that these two guys have going on in their lives, um, the moment where they have to figure out if it's okay for them to kiss is like that's the scary. <laughs> that was the, yeah, the scariest that's true. moment. They're of tr- the movie. That's because that's when they're truly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like everything else is just violence uh, compared to compared to this i i agree i agree i think the stakes are way are way higher for these guys mm-hmm. right but it's like for them it's more or less normal mm-hmm. and so it's still like even in this life that's very different from mine you know putting yourself out there to like kiss another person is still like the scariest thing that can happen to you when you're when you're a teen and that was kind of also a good point yeah yeah it was kind of yeah whether i mean all the more so i guess if you're gay and black and a boy and all that stuff i uh i guess yeah i agree i liked that it was just so relatable uh like when when they're on the beach and like the i can't remember the other fellow's name but he's kind of like kevin he's like slowly he's not like putting the moves on him but he's like 
kind of trying to send him some signals. Mm-hmm. And then um, Chiron is like, you know, picking it up, but he's like so nervous mm-hmm. to like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So like, but then you're really happy for them. And I mean, it's sort of like a small, uh, maybe kind of crude thing just on the beach, but like you can see, especially for like a teenager, especially for a guy in the situation that he's been in. Um, it's like, you kind of like, you really feel for him and you're kind mm-hmm. of excited and, um, and, yeah. And, and then oddly, I think I was a little maybe out of sync with the movie with regard to the bully because it's like when he finally, when he just goes up behind him, like, you know, so the bully has not only just been like basically picking on him for his whole life, but he like, uh, has taken unknowingly taken this like one nice thing in mm-hmm. his life and then just turned it on him and like made it into something really hard and ugly, um, by, by making those two boys fight. And, uh, yeah. And so like when he smacked him with the chair and it just like broke over him, I like just cracked up. Like I just, but it, no, it wasn't like, it's amazing. Yeah, and it was like, I, I was so like angry for this kid and like, you know, you wanted him like, but I mean, that's what, what was nice is that like I was in it and I didn't feel like I was mm-hmm. being like taught a lesson or, or no. even, I think somebody said like, we're seeing it from another perspective, but really I didn't feel like I was being asked to look for it from another perspective. It was just like, like if this stuff had happened to me, man, I would want to smack that guy mm-hmm. with the chair. Like I probably wouldn't, but like, you know, when he does it, I felt great. And then obviously there's the bad consequences of that, which, which is realistic. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a teen, like a, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, fantasy, or it's not like a goofy kind of teen film at all. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I guess like towards the end, I, I had heard, I had heard multiple people say like, oh, Moonlight is so sad. Um, it's like, oh, I, I really liked it, but boy, was Mm-mm. it depressing. And so I was constantly like, for, by by the ending, I was like, oh boy, like somebody's going to get shot or right. like kill yeah. himself or something. And um, yeah. And like, by the time it was over, like I was like, like, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I was extremely happy for him. Yeah. I didn't and, think it was sad at all. Yeah. Like you just felt like light and happy. And like, there was like a lot of hope for him. And like, he had gone through like pretty much, you know, well, okay. So he had gone through constant shit, but at the same time, I don't feel like one of my quip. Well, with, we won't get into specific movies, but like, there's a way to do this movie where you're like dwelling so much on the miserable stuff mm-hmm. that like after they yeah. had, yeah. you know, kind of kissed each other on the beach, something really bad would have happened. Right. Because it's like, you can't let the audience have a moment of pleasure or uh, happiness you have to immediately steal it away because this is a sad movie. This is a miserable movie. And they didn't do that. Um, there's a version of not. this movie. There's a version of this movie where we spend an hour with him in prison. Like, right. You yeah, know? Or yeah. Like, see, and it's just like punishing. Or, we, or he comes up on like Juan's dead body and like he's the, like, right. Like, <laughs> yes. Stuff just happens because stuff just happens in your life. And, you know, to be fair, a lot more violent, sad, traumatic shit happened in his life than has happened in mine. But it's still just like, he's got to just keep on. He's got to go through all the same processes, basically, that any of us have gone through just with a, in a right. wilder context. Right. Um, and but it, and that's the thing still is, just shit happening to him. Shit, yeah. Shit, yeah, shit's happening to him. But like, I, I think one of the most important things that the movie does is from almost the almost the opening uh good things are also happening like little moments of reprieve 
you know, he's we we meet Chiron. He's being relentlessly bullied. Uh, in the next moment, he meets Juan. Um, mm-hmm. He he goes he goes home and uh, his mom yells at him, but she also then expresses love to him. And the movie, and I mean, even with the good guys, it's like you fucking love Mahershala Ali. Like he he's his performance and his character is like so necessary to the setup of this movie and to I think the way the rest of it plays out. Yep. But he's you know he is arguably as responsible for what's for the biggest problem in Mm -hmm. um chiron's life as he is like helping to and his motives for help i mean once he realizes that maybe that he's supplying drugs to the kid's mom maybe he's assuaging his own guilt by like continuing to like be a mentor to him and take care of him Mm -hmm. um like everyone's motives are complex like nobody's perfect kevin is also the cause of arguably the biggest crisis in Chiron's life and like a huge th- a thing that sets him on a like completely different path from what he might have been on um yeah. and that you know that doesn't make him um like the and and I, I don't know the uh, there was something that you made me think of oh like um one of the most deft moments I feel like in the film is when I'm pretty sure when Chiron's hiding from the bullies in the beginning of the movie, he picks up a, a syringe, right? That piece of glass that he picks up and he's like looking at it like in a fascinated way, like a kid would look at it before mm-hmm. Juan mm-hmm. comes in to get him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's a syringe. Okay, you, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, you might be right. I I've seen, I think yeah. it is, and or it's like a tube or some kind of drug paraphernalia. But like you watch that scene of just like what would a kid do if he was in this? He's just like looking at the glass in the sun, and it's like, but it's not doesn't have like the you don't watch the movie with a sense that like the director is over your shoulder being like, are you looking at this the way that I <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you like you are with um with what's his name uh, who does you know precious um Lee Daniels. Or, Lee Daniels yeah or even like yeah Lee Daniels and I mean I'm saying Lee Daniels because it just seems like the best example it's not even honestly because he also makes movies about black people it's because he's like the worst offender that I can think of of that kind of filmmaking um there may be other I'm sh- there's got to be other examples but like that's the one that comes to mind of just like. <sighs> so over the top in like kind of glorifying pain and suffering um and yeah the movie is like there are definitely things in it that make me very sad like i don't want this sensitive little boy to be going through all these things and to not have the opportunity to like express himself like that's a that's a cause very dear to my heart but you know, he t- he turns out okay. <laughs> like, he figures it out. Yeah. And in some ways, like, he's much more, in spite of what he's been through, like, it doesn't take, he, he's obviously his in his posture and in, in everything very guarded, but 
it doesn't take too much for him to like still be putting himself out there like by driving down to see Kevin. Like right. he could have decided not to go. And it doesn't take m- too much prompting from Kevin for him to tell him like what must be the like most <laughs> vulnerable like truth of his soul that he's trying to hide from everybody. Well, it's um, all it's all earned, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. the movie the movie sets that up in the first in the first uh act when um Mahershala basically says something along the lines of, you know, at some point you have to decide the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then then he has his sort of reconnection with his mother, which, God damn, Naomi Harris is such a good actress. Um, and, uh, but yeah, you just, you've I feel like you've got these things that are set up way in advance and feel completely natural, despite the fact that the movie is very, very conservative with, uh, it's runtime. Like every other than Chiron, it's really not though. It's an hour and forty five minutes. Like that's a. I mean, yes, by blockbuster standards, that's short. But just like that's a mm-hmm. regular length movie. But uh, and every and every character really only has a handful of scenes. Like I think Naomi Harris did a collective like six days on this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and Mahershala also just he's really only in. I don't know, four, five scenes, something like that. Um, yeah. But but you feel the full weight of a fully realized uh, character arc in in um, in all of the essential characters. Even so, Kevin. Even have, Kevin. Go ahead. We've we've been saying all this nice stuff about the movie. I have something <laughs> I would disagree with. I didn't think that Naomi Harris did a very good job. That's also a crack my at it. critique. Really? Because okay. oh, yeah, that's man. the one thing okay. I didn't really, like. Okay. I wasn't very familiar with her from anything else, but like I I never like you guys constantly like wigs and accents. You guys always are like, man, look at that fucking wig, or like, you know, what a terrible accent. They're clearly and and like I just I like had no idea. I never noticed these things. But like I guessed when I was watching this, mostly I think in the first she was good in the final third, uh, like when she was in recovery and all that. But I think maybe in the first two parts, like I was like this, I bet you this is a British lady playing an American crack addict. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so something about her performance felt more of like the Lee Daniels school. Yeah. And I I came at it from a different angle because I don't blame her for it. I think that the movie has so much empathy and consideration for the complexity of like all of its characters like even the bully has like the funny moment where he tells Kevin like don't drink this government juice like there yeah. was something like um kind of magnetic and charismatic about that character who's just being who's just being a huge asshole for the whole movie but still you're like I see how he rose to prominence um but <laughs> you know he's funny he's good looking like he 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 had yeah I-, I thought like even he's an interesting character he's not just like a cliche a total cliche of a bully um mm-hmm. i felt like naomi harris was the most cliched character and felt the most like she came from another movie um and the- I- and yeah we get the it felt like in some ways the most manipulative part of the film because Everyone else, I, I at least, I found her to be pretty much a villain through the first two acts. And then it was as, as if they were saving, like, the third act. Um, 
whereas with the rest of the characters, like the, the good and the bad was more like mixed together throughout the course of the three parts. But she mm-hmm. just, I don't know. She, I agree. She, it just seemed, she seemed like more of a cliche. That's all I can say. And it seemed like the movie wasn't really interested in fleshing her out as much, or at least it did. If it was, it didn't successfully do that for me. She felt like she was from a law and order episode almost. Yeah. Yeah. Law and order would be, I I guess, I guess my perspective here, she felt now uh, she felt real to me because she, she reminded me of my own mother. Not that my mother was a crack addict, but just, uh, and also just like Chiron's like, um, I mean, his the way he looks at that point in the movie, like it just really reminded me of middle school, of being like mm-hmm. just that tiny, <laughs> like his arms, the way they swayed <laughs> yeah. back and forth. I mean, yeah. Uh, and and I don't know. I just I felt like I just I remember uh, my mother's not a good mother, but I remember I would come home and I re- I would I and have this sort of like immediate assault of. Uh, of somebody who was frustrated with you or or for, for, for nothing for, um, I don't know. I don't have to go too deeply into this, but it, uh, it just, it really, (laughs) I just, I got it. And then, and then also Mm -hmm. showering in like moments of like love and, and not necessarily in a truly like in a manipulative way. Although sometimes that's, that's present, but just, just the confusion of, and she was hopped up on stuff uh, periodically. So it would you would get these like strange outbursts, and then uh, and then followed by some sort of like nurture uh, moment of nurturing or something like that. And so mm-hmm. um, I just felt like I like not on that level or anything, but like I I I connected with it. But I do agree. Um, I don't think you guys are wrong. Um, and I do think her best moment well, is is the end scene um, with her and Chiron. Um, my pick would be more with, not with the character, but with the performance. So like the character, okay. I do kind of agree. It was a little like kind of Kit, Kit was saying that it was a little one note or like that. But I mostly just thought like there was... For for as good as everybody else was in this movie, she was the one where I was like, "Well, that's just a pretty lady. They put they dressed her up like a crack addict." Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with the character, but mostly I was saying the performance. But the character, yeah. I thought we did see like, you know, like I've known I've known addicts and stuff like that a little bit, and you get that. So there's that moment where he's like walking home from school and she comes out and she's like, well, hey, how's it going? And like, mm-hmm. she's friendly for a second. And then she's very mad. Like she wants back in the house and she gets like immediately hostile. And like, um, you know, uh, so we had like moments with that was her character. But we know we also like she would go straight from like, like giving him like a warm smile to saying like, you know, uh, you don't love me at all anymore. And like, which, yeah, there's bad moms like that too. So I don't, I don't know. So I thought we, it, without her at the end, I think her character would have been too much if we hadn't seen her finally in recovery and stuff. Um, and I guess we maybe could have had some moment of tenderness in act one or two. Um, but we did, but, but we did like the moment you but, meet her uh, is a moment of. Like, oh, when with Mahershala at the door after that, 
immediately following okay. that, like she sits. She's him down. like hugging him. She's yeah. She's she's telling him how you know like you know she was worried about him that sort of thing. Okay, and 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 it I is. I guess in I felt a, it unsettled by her. What's in that? that moment, I think I felt unsettled by her. In that moment. I mean, and yeah, you think... make a really good point, Andrew, obviously. And it, there is a way in which she is the principal villain of her son's life in those two first yeah. acts. And that's kind of our point of view on the film. Um, like, you know, Mahershala is this god. And then, <laughs> although well, the it's whole not thing as is, in... mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I feel like his... Uh, central struggle would be like he needs love he's not getting any love he doesn't have a dad and his mom is giving him nothing and i i agree like i felt like in that first scene like she was there was something unsettling about her like you don't quite trust her it felt like she was manipulating him or something it just yeah i didn't i think it's because we know he didn't want to go home overnight Mm -hmm. like that's not a normal Mm -hmm. kid thing to do and so we knew there there must be something with her i'd have i would have to watch it again to like was she actually being good to him in that moment or like why did i feel weird about it Mm -hmm. um but but no, like really though, it was not it was not a major qualm I had with the film. That but it was like if I had one thing about this movie that I had to say negative, that would it was like uh that character, that performance uh didn't quite click for me or something. Like it felt a little too much. But yeah. There was something else I thought of when we were talking about the mom. Oh, the uh, Janelle Monet's character. Oh um, yeah. What about she was maybe a little bit too much the other the way, opposite. but she yeah. was in it so little that I don't think it like it didn't bother me. But like she said something to him at one point of like, you know, it's only love in this house or something like that. And I was that like, was the line that stood out to me, too. Like, yeah. I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> I, but like I, we spent so little time there. So I think it just kind of came off as like it um, almost it felt like that. Like. It's just it's interesting. There's like there's two women in this movie and it kind of feels like at least like they were the least understood, (laughs) like both by me watching it and possibly by the filmmakers making it. And I mean, like it's a movie, it's, it's a movie about men, which is fine. Like it's not about women and what it, and what it has to say about men. And in particular gay men is like, it does so incredibly effectively, but I don't know that it has been as thoughtful about <laughs> about women because it really does feel like like and Mahershala doesn't feel that way at all, in part because there's no man for him to be really compared to. But it did. I felt like I thought Janelle Monae was good. I also like it was enjoyable to watch someone be nice to this boy. So like I liked that, yeah. you know, like I liked that yeah. she was there. I liked that she was sweet to him. I love the conversation they have when they're both kind of helping him through the idea of being gay. Like that was really, mm-hmm. it, it was both very nice and heartwarming and also like felt like not unreasonable, <laughs> like that that could happen. Um, but it did feel like, especially compared to Naomi Harris, it's like, okay, well here's the bad mom and here's the good mom. Yeah. Like, okay. And maybe it is her acting. I don't know. Like in the scene where she, like, cause maybe the movie's trying. Cause in that scene where she's talking to Mahershala and she's saying like, you're the one who sells me the crack. Um, which is like fair point. Um, but she's just playing it like, like (laughs) it's like, like New Jack City or something. It's just so like, (laughs) it it felt very like, like an old fashioned kind of depiction, whereas everything else in the movie is like, so, um, feels so true, you know, anyway, sorry. Yeah. 
I think this is all fair. What else we got? What are the notes? Um, I have a couple things. Uh, one, just to talk about the characters a little bit more. Um, you know, I've kind of talked about how I think that this movie is really efficient in its storytelling, but also in how it establishes um, character. Like, the second you meet uh, Juan, like, you understand that he's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you understand he's a good manager, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he's not a, he's not a micromanager. Uh, you know, the, I love the way that, like, he comes in, he says hello, he sees that his employee, I mean, he's a drug dealer talking to his other drug dealer underling, but uh, he sees that his employee is dealing with a disgruntled cu- customer, and he, like, steps back and, like, allows the um, the employee to deal with the situation uh, and also is friendly to the... Uh, so it's sort I mean... Anyway, just like, and then the way the way the the way the camera works in that scene, I really like because it's just like, and the blocking, uh, and then as soon as as soon as uh, he's able to like actually interact with uh, the dude in the corner, uh, the camera starts kind of moving around them instead of, um, you know, instead of doing like a shot reverse shot sort of thing, you have this fluid cam. I mean, it's like something from like a Michael B- like a Bad Boys movie or something. Um, and it just feel, but it feels motivated. Like it, it, you know, there's a there's an actual connection between these two people, and that informs us that you know uh, that Mahershala's character isn't necessarily like uh, the same sort of like hard drug dealer, you know, character we've seen in dozens of other movies. But I also appreciate that you know he's not just like the criminal with a heart. Uh, I think there's just yeah a really good complexity to him, and then. Um, uh, let's see. Yes, you're right. He does not seem like it doesn't seem like the movie's going. Ha ha. You thought this guy was one thing, but he's actually can you believe it? He's like, you know, like it didn't feel yeah. like a trick. <laughs> it felt like you got to. But yeah. like. Yeah, it's just not yeah, dealing in cliches uh, for like the film is just like actually just showing us what people are like some real people. Yeah, it's very simple. And then even, you know, um, I know you guys had sort of issues with Teresa's character, but like, I also felt like, uh, I felt like I understood her character, um, just almost instantly. Like she, um, you know, she comes over to him and just the way she studies him. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this sort of feeling that she's empathetic, but also, um, you know, how should I put this? Like, she she wants to be you know from what i'm seeing i feel like you know she also wants is immediately wanting to be like a sort of like structured and like dependable thing uh and she, i mean even like when mm-hmm. she says when she says to you know uh, when when chiron says you know everybody well, my name's chiron but everyone calls everybody calls me little and he says mm-hmm. and she says well i'm going to well then i'll call you by your name chiron or whatever yeah. uh so that was yeah. a big thing that year What's that? That was a big thing that year, calling people by their names. Um, <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like, no, that's what he said. No one else is doing that. Like, no, right, like, even she, she keeps calling him little. Yeah. So, and, and like, the, and I also think that, you know, in the, because she does, her character does this thing a lot, which is she's studying him. She's always watching him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a movie about people needing to be seen, 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's just this is the very real representation of that. This is somebody who's yeah. trying to see somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there is a sense that like on that she understands him better than I think better than Mahershala does in a way. Like absolutely, she, at least absolutely, or she's listening to him more. Um, not that, not even that, like Mahershala is failing in any way to do, but just like she's more, she just she's paying attention more. Um, and it reminded me, like I the I I the swimming scene is like it's fantastic and it, it's amazing because there's a reason that movies rely on cliche you know there's a there's a reason that movies will use visual shorthand because like they don't have time they don't have you it, it would be stupid if they turned to the they can't explain like you only have visual so like there's a reason that like um you know a character with a grill is like that means he's you know a, a gangster or a thug of some kind or a, you know like or different kinds of um that the way that we show that uh, two characters are like sexually attracted to each other, there's like certain shorthands for that, like focusing on their the camera shooting their lips or something instead. Like anyway, like all these different things. And then this movie I found like doesn't really use any of them. Like it is inventing a new language in a way for how to, and yet I feel that I always understood what was being communicated like it's was it's very unusual i think how that swimming scene is shot with like the waves coming above the camera not that that's never been done before but typically that's the kind of thing that might be used to tell you to communicate danger um or Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that that he's you know in danger that he's about to drown or that you know and i think in some way it is communicating that because he is being asked to be vulnerable and trust not just another person, but another man um, in that scene. And you hear that Mahershala is having trouble getting him to just like rest his head in his hand, um, like and actually relax. And, and also just like the, the the just see like the joy that uh Mahershala that Juan feels like watching him successfully swim like I, it's such it's such a beautiful scene and you're so happy for the, for the character and you <laughs> feel like all of the like love that Juan has for him but also just how simple it is i mean like not that it has to be like you know, he could just be being nice to a kid, but I do feel like the the it's it's just it's such a lovely human interaction that I've not really seen mm-hmm. anything like that. I feel like in a movie before, and it's pr- also around swimming in the ocean. So like, I really like that about it. But it's <laughs> it's it really is like a very special scene that's that that's that's like heartwarming without relying on anything that movies typically use to be heartwarming heartwarming like the music in the film is wonderful but unusual like it's not your typical like sweeping score or anything like that um or you know rap music which is like very typical for like any movie with this setting and this uh these types of characters 
The other like most beautiful thing in the movie is that shot, the transition where he's driving down the highway and it's like superimposed with the children playing in the ocean. I love that. And he's listening to yeah. Cuban music. And that's like, I could make me cry. Like I have <laughs> chills right now talking about it. Like that was so just, yeah. the movie is so good at getting you to understand what the character is thinking when the character's not even on screen. Like, he's not on screen. And I'm like, oh, he's thinking about Juan. Like, that's so... Um, it's really good. But, yeah. It's really, really good at using visuals to get you to think how the characters... Or to understand what the characters are thinking. And, and like, not maybe in the a way, best I've ever seen and not in a way... doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, not in a way where it's like... Uh, uh, oh, I have to, we have to recall this thing that some, you know, we need the audience to recall something from earlier mm -hmm. in the movie or whatever. So let's show them up. Uh, the, we'll have the, a shot pop up from earlier in the movie or something right. like that. Or, um, or like when you're watching a movie and it's like uh, the camera zooms in on what is definitely going to be a clue later in the movie or something like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, yeah. Think you're, I think you're totally right. Where well, it just like, it is, it, it's totally it establishing symbols, but yeah. You're but you're not constantly clocking that it's doing that which you are with a lot of movies. Like I love like to me the most beautiful, the most romantic like heartbreaking thing about the scene with Kevin on the beach is the way that Kevin's hand is on his head and like his head yes. is like on his shoulder and then like you see Kevin's hand like kind of caressing the back of his head and then in the final scene he's doing the same thing and I'm like paying attention to his hand like the way his hand is moving on his head and that's because there's like giving someone a hand job on the beach is not inherently a romantic <laughs> thing <laughs> but with the way that he's touching him elsewhere I'm like there's like this is a loving, like very sweet, um, romantic, uh, like that, like, yes, I guess the hand on his penis is a very important element of the scene. But like, to me, like the hand on his head was like, that's like the, um, affectionate like part of this. Um, that was really, really, that was really sweet. Yep. I agree. What else you got, Mike? Anything? I didn't have any other notes. No. Um, I did. I did like the music. You guys mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, the diner scene, I thought. Uh, I don't know if it was a diner, whatever. When he goes to see him at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, at the I end think of the it's film. a diner. Yeah, I like that because. Oh. Uh, Something I don't I probably couldn't even tell you what something about it made me feel as tense as he <laughs> did. And I don't know if it was lighting or if it was like music or if it was the act, the performances or what. Well, but like, I think part of it was like he was new like uh, this. So this uh, what's he called in the third part? Black. Black. Yeah. So, yeah. So adult. Black. Uh, Chiron is sort of new to us. So each time, well, you know, the, the both the second uh, the second and third part, you're kind of like you're meeting him again. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we know he's been in prison. We know and, you know, we quickly see like, OK, he's a drug dealer. So um, but then he goes back and then, yeah, that restaurant. I don't even I don't I couldn't tell you. It felt like it was just like one take. I'm sure it wasn't. But like the it, tension I, just sort yes. of. Built. Well, yeah. And so I like, agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
whatever they did, I wasn't paying close enough attention to tell you, but like it made me feel nervous. And then that made sort of when they get back to his place and they're in the kitchen talking and you, you, I sort of, I felt the relief with him when he's able to like share this with him yeah, and he kind of reveals himself in that way. Like saying that that was his only Mm -hmm. sexual encounter. Um, and you just see him get like soften up, but then you're so happy to see him soften up, but then be met with like love and affection that you've been wanting him to have like this whole Mm -hmm. fucking time. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so no, the final third, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the restaurant scene was good. And then I, I, I just liked, yeah. I liked how with him I was. I for, think I, it's the Pretty camera. much for the whole movie, but what's that? I, I feel like it's the way the camera moves. Because there's a lot of parts okay. of this movie where someone's talking, but they're not on camera. And like it, like and in like an, a more normal or pedestrian film, like we'd be seeing, we the camera would be looking at the person who's talking. I feel like there's a way in which the camera without being literally Chiron's perspective the whole time uh-huh. in that diner scene. And I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and watch it, but it's like so, the camera makes us aware that like Chiron is always like remaining aware of like where Kevin might be as he's like walking around the restaurant and hasn't recognized yeah. him yet. But Chiron's not always like watching him like where he like, mm-hmm. but then occasionally like he'll look and we'll see her like when he'll like, Kevin will like enter frame, but like his head's not there yet because he hasn't sat down at the table yet. And and Chiron's like not like looking up at him. It's kind of the feeling that I get that there's like I feel that feeling of that, particularly like because I feel like when Kevin calls him like black kind of goes back to being (laughs) like the kid that he was when he like it puts him back into this like kind of deflated, hunched over posture i just that's the feeling i get is that like he kind of is closes in on himself a little bit and so like he's trying not to like constantly be looking so like the surroundings are sort of like chopped up like you're not getting any like wide views really of that even though it's like a yeah. shot and wide like there's just something like i'm seeing like i'm not sure what's going on in my peripheral but i'm like i'm trying to like figure out what it might be and like sound is used that way too where like when he unzips his pants in the, and I mean, obviously we're not going to get a shot of a little boy taking his dick out of his pants or anything, but like, that's one example of like, sometimes the only way you know what's happening is from the sound design. Like, or you hear foot, there yeah. was one time where you hear footsteps approaching. And so it made me realize like, oh, someone's responding to like what he's, but like, I'm not seeing them walk. I'm just hearing them walk. And like, to uh-huh. me, that just signified like a guy who's like constantly shoegazing. Like he's not (laughs) he's not like looking openly (laughs) at the world it seemed to reflect his perspective in some way and make things a lot more scary because that is someone who's kind of scared all the time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely i'm i'm also i really really love the end that that scene in the diner um quite a bit um i think from from prior to that i think the movie had done a really really good job of setting up you know, both a person who has reached sort of their limits in terms of loneliness and also um, who now, you know, has has some at least glimmer of of uh, of hope for the possibility of of something of a change to that. Um, yeah, I also think maybe there's something to do. Uh, there's something to do with the 
with the way it's lit. Um, I know they didn't have like a ton of like lighting, uh, especially in that scene, just because of the, the sort of like wide breadth of the camera um, when they're establishing. I know that they mostly just used available lighting, um, but they would just change. They changed out all the light bulbs in like every scene okay. uh, just to control like the color and stuff. I mean, you'll notice when they're, when he walks into the restaurant, you know, the, there's a, there's a drink cooler fridge thing behind the counter. And then the Mm -hmm. kitchen and the back are both very blue um, just to give, you know, to tie into the, the rest of the blue in the movie. But, um, um, you know, so I don't know. I kind of, and I know that the only like additional lighting they used on in that, scene of him at that bar was just like a uh, a light panel um just a very small like they're very very inexpensive um but it just i don't know if if it's i don't know if it if it helps to kind of feel i don't know because it's like it's like i don't want to say it's not cinematic because it definitely is but maybe not in the way that i would normally expect uh, something like this to play out. Um, I don't know. I don't have a grand point here, but um, hmm. one more thing that adds tension, like just talking about sound and and uh, and informing us is uh, you know it's a small thing, but like I love 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 love. Um, they have a little hiccup in there while they're discussing. Uh, basically, uh, I think he I think it's when Kev calls him out for being a drug dealer. And mm-hmm. and then he gets up and walks away for a minute. And I think this might be like the most triumphant like moment in the movie. Uh, it's just Chiron just starts looking at an open door and the, and then the music mm-hmm. drops out and the sound just drops out. And all you hear is just you, you just like a slow push in on this open door and some ambient from outside. And it's just the it's so simple, but just the way the just the way that the it's draw it's drawing Chiron out, it's drawing us out, and you just feel the full weight of uh, the fact that he chose not to get up and walk out the door and drive mm-hmm. away. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess just to tie it back to how I started um, with my feelings on this movie, it's pure cinema. Pure cinema, indeed. That's I mean, it's I funny because because it, it really does. This really does remind me of something like. Uh, of a movie like Eyes Wide Shut or 2001 like there there there's there's a connection here where it's just it feels so different um in in its construction than most other movies i can think of but then also feels so informative with every single fr- i don't know do you understand what I'm saying? I, like, I mean, I think it. I think well, it, it, it. It lives up to the like. It, now, what I find more remarkable is that like it won Best Picture. <laughs> like, yeah, that yeah. it was. It like, doesn't feel like virtually anything else from the last decade. Like, I feel like this type of movie, like that. Lots of indie movies do like quiet and they do long shots, mm-hmm. but like this movie. I don't know. I don't. I just worked better than it, it does felt, in most movies. It, it felt like an an incredible combination of someone being really, really in control of the film in a like Kubrickian way. And I mean, this is the hallmark of Kubrick mm-hmm. too. Well, we or at least we said it about Eyes Wide Shut. But also someone 
really trusting his audience to like be smart and pay attention. Like he would yeah. like it, it it was both like an extreme like it felt like a very crafted, intentional, everything just so kind of movie, but that still needed the participation of the viewer <laughs> to like interpret. Yes. Like and seem exactly. to recognize that exactly that so yeah it's kind of like it, it is kind of like eyes wide shut i think one of the things we said about it was that um is and, and maybe 2001 too was just like a lot of people have said like oh how should i interpret this and people sort of like painstakingly go over every little detail and i think one of the things i pulled away from eyes wide shut was that when we watched it for this was that this is not um this is not a movie that was designed to con- to confuse the audience right. like the pieces are there um your complete under the complete understanding of who these characters are um is is right in front of you it's not being handed to you in an offensive way um but it's also not designed to be confusing it is it is designed for you to participate and to understand um and to right. you know reap the reward of and they they both very like quickly and efficiently i think set up i mean eyes wide shut maybe more um uh at least more (laughs) is i mean kubrick enjoys i think being like setting up a kind of what seems like a language of symbols i but i think they both set up like their relevant symbols and colors and things like you know the kind of visual language and things that you can like motifs and things that you can track through the film like both do it very efficiently but like it would just like it's wrong to watch eyes wide shut and be like um you know tapping the three balls like means like whatever kind of shit i mean not but like that's part of it but it's like you're kind of missing the point if that's all you focus on it would also be wrong in moonlight to be like mm-hmm. hmm but are there clues to like how Juan died if like we f- if we pay you know oh the ocean maybe he dropped like all these kind of sh- but it's still like the point of those things is to teach you about the characters and what they're thinking and like set a mood not like advance the plot which it feels like I do think there's a way in which like the other kind of movies you mentioned, Mike, of like, I think I think there is kind of like a, a kind of indie movie that does want to confuse you, that does, that thinks that like being obtuse is like being deep. And it's like, this movie isn't obtuse at all, but it's in, incredibly deep, just like yeah. I think Eyes Wide Shut well, also is. And I feel like a lot of other movies recently that I've seen uh, that were made kind of in this style um, like they don't have, I don't know. I feel weird saying this. They don't feel like they have anything to say. Uh, whereas, but I, I also don't feel like Moonlight was like, I've got something to say. Um, so I don't know quite what I mean by that, but I feel like a lot of times I watch these like really beautifully composed movies made by people who are very good at making a film, but then like the story just isn't there or like, it's, it just all feels like kind of like what a waste of, talent or what a waste of all of these visuals uh because mm-hmm. like i'm just not into your story at all whereas with this it you have a great story you have you know like a lot of visual storytelling and actually and that while you were talking i thought of i, I wouldn't compare it to kubrick because i do think kubrick is well he, most i mean almost every one of his movies is a pretty grand scale film yes. um i think that there's probably comparisons to be made between like 
the amount of control it feels like he has over every detail. And then this film felt very, uh, it didn't feel stiff, but it felt very careful, like, like Mm -hmm. very, you know, deliberately made. Um, but a movie I just saw for the first time recently that it's like, I think it's from like the late sixties, uh, which we have talked about, but it was called Kess. And it's about a boy in England, Mm -hmm. uh, who he's grown up in like a poor neighborhood and he's got, like a rough family life and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like th- these movies would go together very well. Kess is more of there. There's parts of Kess that are just beautiful little slices of life, but I would say it's probably, it has a little bit more of like an activist feel. Like it feels like it's a, uh, um, I don't know, like uh, an intellectual person kind of agitating uh, on like class issues a little bit, but it's still a great film. Uh, whereas I think part of what I, liked about Moonlight is that I was expecting it to be that kind of lesson movie. And it really wasn't. It was just like casual, not really mm-hmm. slice of life kind of thing, but I think it um, was. I think it was your kind of movie. I mean it yeah. it, it was very like boyhood ish. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it also reminded sure. me of Ratcatcher and the piano actually. Okay, I've never seen the piano. But You've seen Ratcatcher? Ratcatcher That's no, a, I have is not. that Andrea or Lynn Ramsey? Lynn Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, that's Where, a great. How I think Criterion put that out. I might have seen that back in college. That's a really mm-hmm. good movie. I'm su- I'm not that I'm surprised that Kit has seen good movies, but I'm I'm surprised. <laughs> like Ratcatcher is like a kind of a deep cut. Yeah. Um. The only other thing I had was um. Hmm. No, we've already kind of talked about this, but just uh, I guess just. Uh, I think I think that the um, the cameras used in some very cool ways in this movie. Um, there's a there's this dinner table scene between um, Teresa Juan and Chiron, uh, and instead of shooting a bunch of singles and then chopping them up in a shot reverse shot, you know, you get this sort of fluid camera movement that's just sort of drifting around to all the characters. Um, and it's, it's just very warm and connected. Um, and I think, I think that's really nice. Uh, and you see that a few other times you see that on the beach, um, with, uh, Mahershala and Chiron. I think you see a little bit of that when it's just him and Kevin, um, and you see that in a few other places. So there's definitely like a visual mm-hmm. language happening. Um, there's these sort of like circular shots that you see. Um, uh, there's one that, uh, two specifically, um, that I, uh, were called out to me, um, in something I was looking at earlier, but there's the, the shot of the, all the kids playing and wrestling with each other at the beginning of the movie in the first section. And, um, sort of representing the the in crowd and the way it's shot is like, which I love. Like you're, it's all these little close ups that you're in on, and then, and then you see the in crowd again, uh, which is when Kevin is forced to beat up Chiron. Um, so it's just sort of interesting seeing like those little visual parallels, and then, mm-hmm. um, but then you know the 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 meaning is is, I don't know if it's necessarily flipped, but maybe it's just given like more context as these characters grow older. Um, I also, so, yeah, I really I, liked how that fight scene paid off the idea of him, like picking his head up too. like that. The time where he's like, his posture is like 
the most upright and he keeps stand he keeps getting up even though like Kevin's saying like stop getting up like stay down <laughs> like he but when yeah. he's standing yeah. there looking he looks very defiant and his head is raised and it's like um he is choosing not to uh deny i guess who he is or he's choosing who he is whereas kevin is like in the midst of kind of the old yeah. possible denial of who he is i was like that was really nice it Very was subtle. and that's i agree and that's the thing and like the the don't get up thing is like a thing we've seen before in movies um mm-hmm. oh for sure it, in but Captain it's not America. it's <laughs> right i could do this all day um but uh <laughs> which that'd be great they should we should we should add, uh uh adr that that in in. somewhere yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but uh yeah i think and and i think and i really do like i do like that chiron uh doesn't like he understands kevin in this situation like he doesn't seem to like at least the 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 feelings that he's harboring at least the 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 brunt of them are are towards other people and the situation that these two guys are um trapped in uh and you know, oh man, I know you said you laughed when he when he breaks the the chair over that dude, but man, oh man, was that satisfying? I mean, that oh, is yeah. <laughs> that is that is Ansel Elgort, uh, one arm choke what slamming. It is totally what it made me think of as well. <laughs> choke slamming that kid and men, women, and children. But apparently, oddly enough, the most iconic moment in our sort of like certainly from our Sandler exploration is Ansel Elgort lifting a kid into the air and slamming him down mm-hmm. on a table. <laughs> Fucking awesome. So yeah. Pure cinema. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's, I think again, jumping off pure cinema, like there, there's that the way that shot and the way that that happened, I feel like that is in some way, just like to- some ways, like totally in service of the audience. Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's the most like out there unrestrained moment, but it doesn't like ruin the mood. It does, you know, like, no, exactly. It, it exactly. still fits. Yeah, and yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that they didn't have him like, like yeah, like the I could do this all day moment. Like, you know, works great for uh for the Avengers or whatever. But I like. It sh- it would have rung false if that was like enough for him. If it was enough for him to be like, well, these people torture me and beat the shit out of me for being gay, but I know who I am now, and that it's like, no, he's gonna be like, <laughs> like that's not gonna fix everything, you know? Like he's right. still justifiably full of rage, um, and you know, and I'm like. I'm upset that he got arrested for it. Like I know, I, I know. Like yes, it's out of no. I mean, it was like he wasn't currently defending himself, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like my well, kid might have deserved a little bit more of a beating than just a chair to the back. You know, like, it's it, it's it, probably <laughs> it's probably good that they show the kid like completely incapacitated, like, on the, like yeah. just like oh, did he like kill him or what? Like yeah. it's just like it's yeah. so it's so like. You know, we think of we think of chairs being broken over people's backs in movies as like it's the same as like getting thrown through plate glass windows or having bottles mm-hmm. broken over our heads. Like there's there's sort of a a, a fluctuating, uh, yeah, degree of damage. D- degree exactly exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like just in case you were bringing that baggage into this movie, it's like okay, here's a 
10 second shot of this kid barely moving. <laughs> well, and it is, it is like, I mean, there's an interesting, cause people keep telling him like, you shouldn't like, don't let them call you faggot. Like basically like, I don't know if it's exactly stand up for yourself, but it, but, but people are kind of saying like the fact that you like shrink away is not helping your case, which like, I don't know if that's good advice or not. Like there, there might be, I don't know how boys work exactly. Like maybe there's some truth to that, but I also think it's a shame that like he has to act tougher than he is in order to like avoid being bullied. Although they're like, again, like maybe that's just the way the world, but it's like, then he does it and he it ends up getting arrested. Like, and it's, it's so like he finally does yeah. stand up for himself. Um, and yeah, and like, even though, I don't know, the movie makes that, that moment is very like unpackable. Like, I'm not sure who's right and who's wrong. I know that it felt good to see him do it. Um, and it felt bad to see him get arrested for it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think in a lesser movie, we are, um, you know, we're, we're asked to, to think that like standing up to bullies with violence is like a good a good thing. And even though that moment is satisfying, like, you know, you're right, the movie isn't really it's not really inviting you to feel uh, necessarily that. I think it's it's like it's both giving you that satisfaction, but also, um, you know, letting the the weight of and the complexity of it mm. kind of sit with you. And I think that's yeah, I think that's well, true think, with with Juan yeah, and with, it, it shows yeah, everything else. It it shows you that he doesn't really have a better option because, like, I think it's very clear when the principal is saying you need to like a real man would give us their names and it's like not only is that like really not the definition of a real man in his like circle of friends for sure mm -hmm. but it or you know enemies whoever um but it's also like that's not gonna make his life better like yeah i guess maybe if his bully gets i, I like it I don't I certainly don't get the sense that like tattling on his bully is going to keep him from getting the shit beat out of him. You know? Right. Right. Like that's it's Absolutely. not and like no one can really help him. So when he takes matters into his own hands, I'm like, well, I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> Even and I I detest violence, but like, you know, and it's not how I would react, I don't think, but I completely understand it. All right. Well, how about do we have a cruise minute for this episode? <laughs> Hmm. Okay, who should Tom Cruise play? <laughs> Why doesn't Tom Cruise have like a? Tom Cruise should be out there producing Oscar winner Oscar winning movies. Ah, because he wants to be yeah. in them. Yeah. What was the last thing he got nominated for? Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. No, Magnolia. Magnolia. Wait. Ah, yes, Magnolia. But that was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is like Tom Cruise, he sort of, in a way, he operates outside the system, right? Yeah, I don't think yeah. he cares about an Oscar. Oh, no. I just, I, I think maybe he did it at one point. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. I think for the last decade, we haven't really seen him play Oscar type roles. The thing he I cares think, about but, more than anything is making movies, not being yeah. rewarded for them. Don't you think, like, is there any way, is there any metric? Other than, I suppose, the Oscars metric, by which Fallout does not deserve Oscars. <laughs> well, we'll see. They're going to bump it up to, it'll be 10 every year. So they're bound to get one of the Mission Impossible movies in there. I don't think so. Like, isn't that strange, though? Like, that's like. Maybe widely, the last one. I don't think it'll ever be. I just don't think the. Like, it's strange, though, that it's like 
this man is actually hanging off the side of the plane and also it's a really good movie or like this actions the helicopter fight and everything it's like it's both like incredible action and extremely character driven and like tightly written and and perfectly shot and all of this like it's it's it is like fallout is about as perfect as that movie could be certainly set pieces within it are could not be done better but like never in a million years would it ever be the kind of thing that gets like recognized well i mean Um, when you have important cinema uh you know solving the problem of racism like green book how can you mm -hmm. how could you compare that to uh somebody hanging off the side of a jet you know, I will say I'm glad we got racism over with. It is does feel good to have that out of our system. And and, for, and from and from the director of Stuck on You, no less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Shallow Hal. That's true. That's true. Man, what a point. Hey, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Mahershala won for this, right? Yes. Do we agree that he deserved it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> for fucking sure. Yeah, I thought he was good. I don't. I don't know who else he was against, but but as we've discussed, we don't need to we don't talk about. You're the right. Oscars we anymore. shouldn't talk about the Oscars. However, I do think it is one of those roles that it's like, oh, he's only in the first like 15 minutes of the movie. And most people go like, how does that win? It's like, no, I think it he's it works really, he's really. Good. He's really good. And I think his character is very important. His character doing what it needs to do is like very important to the rest of the movie. Yeah, um, he's definitely like, I would say the second most important character in the film. So. Um, I would say to cap off my cruise minute and uh, and also any Oscar discussion would be maybe since they're postponing the Oscars by like two months this year, but since surely no movies will be coming out till who knows when, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll just start recognizing movies from past years that they snubbed. So they'll maybe Fallout, will, Fallout? <laughs> Fallout will, could win Best Picture this year, maybe. I could go for that. Should like maybe we start I'll... our own like award ceremony and like awards body and like maybe we'll eventually replace the Oscars or is it just dumb to give awards to movies? Because like for I... instance, like I have no, I think it is absolutely redonkulous to like name an album of the year. Like when it comes to music, I'm like, of course you can't fucking say what fucking song is better than this other song. That is so stupid. But I do still have the idea, like maybe because I care slightly less about movies than I do about music that I'm like, no, this could, I could pick the right one. Do you know what I think? Here's what I think. What I think is that they should, or we should do it in a way where it's, it's, I don't know. And I don't know how you do this because it's sort of like built into the DNA, but it's like you remove the the competition of it and you maybe even just like change the wording like it's not best cinematography this mm-hmm. is we're just acknowledging one of five movies exactly for in achievements in cinematography for achievements in directing uh and everybody mm-hmm. votes on one and it's not saying that it's you have to somehow like have some sort of preamble where you say like the votes matter but they also don't matter because mm-hmm. because even though we all say that this movie's the best, it might not be. <laughs> so yeah, that, you have, yeah. yeah, like you, the person should get up. Okay, here's what happens then. <laughs> if you win, you have to get up and say who you think should have won, whether they were nominated or not, and it can't be yourself. Like your whole Ooh, speech has to be about a different okay. movie or a different director or something from that year. <laughs> this is good. So no, like, this, is, this is good. Yeah, like <laughs> you could talk about the one you picked for best picture. 
Mm-hmm. See what? I, but what everybody happened, else yes. picked you. What just happened was I just alienated all of the uh, audience and all of the participants and uh, all of the adver- advertisers, uh, and then Kit found a way for them to get back in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess, see, and I know, like, you're right, Mike, and I do think, like, it would be cool, like, maybe we could set, like, a policy of, like, we don't talk, but except I love, like, I still like the, like, the one year that I, in my life that I recall, well, there have to be others. Like, I grew up, so the Oscars are important, not because they award the right movies, but because, like, they're a fun night in my history, um, you know, like, I, yeah. like my mom loved watching the Oscars and it was always like, okay, like <laughs> the Oscars are on tonight. We're going to go to the store with like, with my dad, we're going to get like snacks for my mom. Cause it's like mom's like Super Bowl, like, and like we would watch them every year, but it was like, you know, my, like the television event of the year for my mom yeah. and, and not because like she'd seen every movie, although she probably had seen a number of them, but it was like, because of like the fashion and like seeing Jack Nicholson and like, you know, all these, like, it's just, it's glamorous and everything. And so like, that's still why I watch it. The one year in recent memory that I didn't watch it was the year that Moonlight that the, and La La Land got, got confused, which is oh, yeah. like the one year you might want to be watching the Oscars <laughs> if you're someone who's watched it their entire lives. And so since that year, I've always gone to parties on the night of the Oscars and that makes it so fun. Like it's so much more fun. Um, our host was like almost crying when um, Parasite won. <laughs> like this picture, like he, like he could not contain it. It was really, really fun. Even though, like, yes, it's fucking stupid in terms of like the Olympics of movies. Like that's really dumb. But it's fun to watch a big dumb stupid show. As I mean, if we expect anyone to listen to this, we sh- we should you know acknowledge that there's something entertaining about the Oscars. Um, <laughs> yeah. To just, add to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you, you said you always watch the Oscars and you didn't watch that year. I never watched the Oscars and I did watch that year at a party. Yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, also, I wish I had been in a room full of people when that happened and been like, holy shit. That it fucking what ruled. a crazy moment. Also, we did a uh, Oscar bingo or whatever. So everybody was like guessing their picks. And I was like, I got to the best picture part and I was like, I remember like, sitting next to next to my wife and just like writing it in i was like you know what it's not gonna win but it's the movie that should win so i wrote moonlight and i <laughs> and I, I took the cake that's why i always lose is because i put what should what i think should win as opposed to what is going to win and then i, I vote I, for i, I, I just horribly i vote i vote for my i vote my oscar picks the same way i vote for president <laughs> with my heart it's <laughs> <laughs> a way to do it uh-huh uh. Yeah, but the Oscars are stupid. We all agree. Very stupid. Yes, we do. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us next week when we will be watching Kit. I don't know. What are we watching? Andrew's supposed to interrupt you. But well, wait. But we don't know. He, he can't uh, interrupt uh, me because uh, I don't even know. But wait. Mike. <laughs> and Kit. <laughs> uh, what are we going to watch next week? I'm going to leave um, it up to Kit. I'm oh not going to even weigh in on this. <laughs> so should I say what the theme is or just say what movie we're watching? Yes, yeah, so, uh, say what your triple's going to be and then what okay. movie we'll be watching next. My triple is going to be called Secret Successes 
And these are films which I think are genuinely, unironically good movies. But I don't know anyone who agrees with me that that's the case. Um, so, like, the rest of, you know, the world has written them off as poopy. And I think they are not just, like, fun, like, so bad they're good, but actually good. Um, okay. The first film in that triple will be Sleepaway Camp. Um, the next will be Vampire's Kiss. And then finally, The Lone Ranger. And not for nothing, I mean, make of this what you will, I will be finishing my Lone Ranger edit before we talk about that movie. Um, so that's all. Very cool. We'll have one I, of the filmmakers with us as we discuss. I just, I just want to note that this is this will be the third time that I've watched the Lone Ranger uh, from face, <laughs> from Kit telling me to watch it again. It so will be like the hundredth time I've watched it. Super cool, fun thing for me. Um, and we also, I think, I think, just based on the name of the theme, we got to find out find a way to get uh, "Oh Yeah" by Yellow into the podcast somehow yeah i was I mean, just watching got... a whole video about that song those guys are also like legit artists very legit what do you mean i already knew that they wrote one of the <laughs> most influential songs of all time slow motion triple feature was recorded in the cool basement of an abandoned billiard hall in iowa special thanks to our producer lee the man in the booth who makes us sound great and decides who lives and who dies if you'd like to contact us please do so at slow motion triple at gmail.com Thank you.